Welcome into an off-season edition of the East Idaho PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. Breaking down everything in Districts 5 and 6. Brandon Bainey alongside Sean Kane. Sean, uh, it's summertime, which means we've entered the off-season. Yeah, oh yeah, it's uh, almost getting nice out. <laughs> some places, right? Rained a little bit. It's getting kind of sunny today. Might do some yard work, you know? We'll see. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, so what are we going to do during the off-season? Well, we're not going to go away. We, we want to maintain a presence. And so, uh, you know, we'll pop on with some off-season interviews. We're going to bring different guests on, different athletes, different coaches, different administrators. Uh, really, to me, some of the biggest uh, newsmakers from the past year in East Idaho sports. And so joining us today on our off-season East Idaho PrepCast is the girls basketball coach from Skyline High School in Idaho Falls, Ty Keck. Coach Keck, thanks for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you. Now, uh, listeners slash watchers of the show, there's a couple of different ways you can consume this podcast. You can listen audio only at idahosports.com or wherever you download your podcasts. Video version as well at the idahosports.com YouTube channel, as well as our Facebook page. And so for those of you that are watching the video, you're going to see Coach Keck. <laughs> he is relaxed right now. Just describe the setup you've got going on here. Uh, you know, I just, I brought my laptop from work and I'm just in my living room and hanging out in my recliner with you guys. So I envision a drink with an umbrella next to you. Yeah. <laughs> I need one. I just have my, uh, you know, my gu guzzle spout water bottle is all. So. <laughs> well, we appreciate you coming on because uh, you and your team have had a really nice couple of seasons, you know, these past few years. And really, I thought one of the biggest stories from girls state basketball this past winter was the fact that your team got to the 4A state championship game. I think coming in, a lot of people considered Skyline an afterthought, especially when you're in the shadow of this behemoth from Blackfoot all season. Uh, you had lost to Blackfoot, what, four times throughout the course of the season or three this times? This season, yes, four times. Right. And so you match up with Blackfoot again in the 4A state semifinals and you really took it to them and and it wasn't a, an upset that was a that was a true win you guys just played a lot better than Blackfoot knocked out the undefeated defending 4A champs what what happened in that game for your team that maybe didn't happen in those previous matchups um man i think there's a lot of things that that go into that but that game in particular um you know, we had lost to him four times, um, but we went into that district championship game that we matched up with him again for the second year in a row. Um, so, I mean, technically that was our third district championship game against Blackfoot in two years because we had the double elimination one the year before. Um, but when we went into that game, we played really well. Uh, the girls just were calm and confident and we attacked them really well. I mean, we went into halftime and it was like a four point ball game, but I don't think any either team had like broke 20 points yet. So it was just a dogfight back and forth. And then we came out in the second half and we had a small little stretch in the third quarter that hurt us. And then they came out and, you know, they're, they're a great free throw shooting team. And if you get them in that situation where they get to shoot free throws at the end, they're going to pull away from, from lots of people. Um, and so when we had them in that spot, we ended up losing by like 13. It was about a seven-point game right up until the last two minutes of the game. 
And we went into that locker room and the girls just, like, you could just tell there was some confidence about them. They weren't really afraid. They didn't really go, oh man, we're, you know, we can't play with them. Like, I think there was a lot of confidence that came from that. And then we, it was nice because we got to go play different teams, which we didn't do the year before. We, you know, we didn't have that option. And so when we went and played Columbia in the, um, the playing game, it just, it let us go, Hey, we're still pretty good at basketball. Like we've come a long ways. We've made some huge strides. Um, and at that point, like, like we were ready, we, we just knew it. And when we walked into that state champ or the semifinal game, um, there was just an air of, it was our day. The girls felt very confident. I mean, waking the girls up, getting them ready to go to the shoot around, um, we had two or three girls that when my assistant coach went and woke them up, they just looked at her in the eye and they said, we're not losing today. And, you know, there was there was no doubt. That's the easiest way to put that is there was just no doubt in anybody's mind that we could go and play with them. We knew it was going to be a dogfight. We knew it wasn't going to be easy. Um, but we also felt that we had a very solid game plan to take away what they love to do. And I felt like we did a good job of that. I saw a couple of times during the regular season opponents try to defend Blackfoot two different ways where you basically play up man to man and Hadley Humphreys is going to get hers inside. But if nobody else beats you, then you're going to do okay. I also saw a game where Shelly played Blackfoot and they packed it in the paint and basically said, go ahead and let it fly from three and we'll take our chances. Humphreys isn't going to beat us. And they, they hung in for a half, but then, you know, Izzy RV and company got hot. So, I mean, What's the right way to defend that? What did you end up doing in that semifinal? Oh. Uh, we just ended up playing a man-to-man. Um, our team wasn't really well-versed to be a great zone team this year. Um, so we, we straight played them straight up. We, I mean, obviously we played them 11 times in, in two years. Like we're, we're pretty familiar with each other, right? Like <laughs> no we, we know each other's tendencies. Um, and so we knew the things that Hadley really wanted to do. We knew the things that Kiana really wanted to do. And for us, those were the two that we really had to slow down. Kiana's actually been the one over the last two years that has given us bigger headaches than anything, just because she's so versatile inside, outside, and she creates matchup problems. And so we knew if we could keep her into long two point jump shots, not three point jump shots, we would be okay. And like I said, we took away Hadley's favorite moves um, just because we've seen them so many times. We know they were there. And, you know, it, it really didn't matter what our game plan was. The girls had to go out and execute it. And that's, I think, the biggest thing is the girls, especially Taylor Thomas, um, who has matched up historically pretty well against Hadley, just went out there and she took away her drop steps. And it just it frustrated that offensive flow. And so it played out in our favor. Yeah. Let's talk about Taylor Thomas because it was kind of bittersweet, right? Because she ends up injuring her knee. Now, did that happen on, on the actual play? Did it happen as the celebration was unfolding? How did that all go down? Um, So she hits those two free throws to put us up and uh, it was, it's crazy. It's, I mean, still just a vivid moment in my mind. Um, they inbound the ball. Izzy's running up the sideline. And, you know, I just remember yelling at Taylor, get ahead of her because Izzy's a great player. She's going to make a great play. And Taylor just found a little extra that I'd never seen from her. And she caught up to her and she was going so fast. And Izzy just gave her kind of a little hesitation shuffle move. And Taylor's momentum couldn't quite keep up with what she was trying to do. And she she actually ended up injuring herself as she was going down trying to stall that play out. So 
So it was an actual on the play. Like, and it was kind of fun because, I mean, not fun, but we got to go in and tell the girls and be like, you know, like she literally gave everything for this season. <laughs> like she laid it all on the line, just like you ask players to do all the time. She left everything on the floor. It just, unfortunately, it was one game too early. So <laughs> definitely go ahead, Sean. Oh, no. Yeah. I just, I had wondered the same thing and yeah, that's, uh, that's what you want at the end of the day is to say everyone gave it their all right. So that's, yes. that's amazing. So um, it would have been nice to have her in the next game though. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think she would have, had a great I think tournament. she would have, yeah, she did. I think she would have had a really, she would have given us a good advantage because her skill set. I think would have given Burley some matchup problems that they didn't have when we had to start shuffling some people around. So yeah, she was and, definitely missed. And and you guys fought really hard against Burley. Um, and then Burley just kind of pulled away in, in that second half. And that, that wasn't even the first time your team had faced adversity on the season. You go in <laughs> expecting to have Maddie Olson, this division one signee with Montana state university. Well, she enters her knee right in soccer season. Uh, well, I wish it, she did it during soccer season. I wish it was a soccer injury. I would have felt a little bit better about that. She actually injured, tore her ACL on the last play of Powder Puff. Oh. <laughs> so that, if that makes you feel oof. any better about all of it. Um, yeah, she injured her knee on the last play of Powder Puff about three weeks before the season started. Um, I mean, realistically, our girls' soccer team probably has a legit shot at winning state if she doesn't get hurt, too. Yeah, they had a great season as well. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, so how do how do you overcome that? Because she really was, she was a 25 point per game score, three point extraordinaire. How, how do you adjust losing a talent like that? Um, you know, I think the biggest thing is, is, and, and I've kind of preached this for years and people always have thought I've, I've been crazy, but I always tell people, like, I try to build my team so that if I didn't have my best player for whatever reason, injury, or they decide to walk away, or, you know, I try to build my team so that I still have a team in place that can compete. Um, I think the biggest thing that we had to adjust to, though, was who was going to fill that leadership void? Who was going to step up and be the the players? And I'll say players because you don't replace Matty Olson, Olson with one person. It's impossible. You know, you don't just be like, oh, hey, we're going to drop you in here and now you're going to go do what she did because because she was a very well-rounded player. Like she she's not really weak in any areas um, besides maybe she's just a little bit shorter than than you would have liked. But you can't do anything about that. So the biggest thing was, is I just like I pulled all the seniors aside and I just had conversations with them about how important their leadership was going to be um, and how how they approached the season was going to be how these younger kids who I think are very like, oh, we've got to have Maddie, we've got to have Maddie. Um, and so a lot of credit goes to those older kids who just um, from Taylor Thomas to Sienna to, uh, Taylor, like they all just stepped up and played their leadership roles very well. And, and we just kind of did it, you know, team by committee. And the, thi the thing I noticed too, is watching the games is, you know, you don't want anyone injured, but it seemed like the girls were like, they had a rally, you know, they kind of had that like deep desire to do good for Maddie. And, you know, just, I, that's what I noticed about your team is I really saw a lot of like, they could get fired up. She's cheering on the bench and they had someone like, if they weren't doing well, you know, maybe they don't look at coach. They kind of look at her and like can find that extra step. So I noticed that over the course of some yeah. of those games too. Yes, for sure. Um, you know, and it took us about nine games to figure out what that rally looked like, but <laughs> we got there. Um, 
But yeah, I, I was really impressed because it would be really easy in Maddie's spot. You know, Montana State held their scholarship for, like, it'd be really easy to not be that involved in the season. And I bet she missed five practices throughout the season because she had physical therapy. So when you talk about a leader, like she 100% exhibited that in every way possible with what she was able to do this season. Yeah. And and then another incredible moment I thought came in that state championship game where, you know, there's what, five seconds left, something like that. And uh, you took the time to send Maddie Olson into the game. She had dressed out. She was wearing her uniform, obviously had the, the knee brace on and everything. And she kind of went out onto the court and and played it out and got a nice standing ovation from fans right. on both sides. I thought that was a really cool moment. Was that something you had planned coming in? Was that a spontaneous decision? Um, we, w- her and I had talked about her dressing for state um, before she had got the clear to at least do like warmups with us. And so I, I asked her as we were getting ready into the game, I said, either, one way or the other, I said, if there's a chance at the end of the game, like, what do you want to do? And she was really nervous at first. And then, you know, we had that that rough stretch against Burley in the middle of the game where the game kind of got out of hand. Um, I thought we were going to pull it back there for just a few minutes. And then, you know, we got down to that last minute and it, you realize that it wasn't going to be anything. Um, and for me, so it was kind of unscripted, but unscripted. Um for me, though, it was really important because Maddie has meant so much to this program. Maddie has been, I mean, really, she's been the piece that's allowed us to kind of turn our program around um, to get us in terms of building our culture the right way and competing the right way and showing kids that we're not just here to, you know, show up and play our game and go home. We're here to win. And so it was a big thing for me if, if the opportunity was going to present itself to get her on that court just because she had worked so hard for that. And in a lot of ways, like we're not there without the things that she's done for us for the previous three years. And so it was it was unscripted, but I it was definitely something that had been on my mind the whole tournament. It was such a great moment, and um, I really uh, applaud you and your program uh, for what you've been able to do. You talked about uh, building the program up. How long have you been coaching uh, at Skyline? I will be going into my eighth year this year. Okay, and what so. what was the program like when you when you took it over? It was it was kind of in a bad spot, right? Uh, a bad spot's a nice way to put that. Yeah, we we were <laughs> in rough shape. Um, I took over. They had won. I want to say like. Six, five, five to seven games the previous two years. There was a lot of tension between coach and players and parents and coach. And, and so I kind of walked into a spot where, you know, we had a lot of kids that were unsure that they wanted to continue playing basketball. Um, in fact, my first two years, like we would, we would go around and we were begging kids that, you know, looked like they could be athletic, looked like they could, you know, show some sort of, basketball skill and and we were I mean we were recruiting within our own walls as hard as we could just to fill our JV and freshman teams um and so those first three years were rough you know we won I think four games our first year five our second year and I think five or six our third year and it it was one of those things you just felt like man are we ever going to get this really turned around are we ever going to get back to being competitive and you know but it just it, it took time it took consistency it took us me and my my coaching staff most you know my assistant coach has been with me all all eight years and you know we put hours and hours into helping the girls develop and coaching younger teams and 
you know, it all just takes time to pay off. But yeah, we were we were in a in a very non-competitive spot when I took over. Like nobody thought that Skyline was was even a team to like we were basically the the bi-week practice that you have, you know. And so we were really glad to in fact one of my favorite moments we were coaching uh, I was coaching an 8th grade team in a summer tournament and we beat one of the local teams and I heard one of the parents from the stands goes we don't lose to Skyline. Nobody loses to Skyline. Like they were very frustrated that, you know, we had started winning some stuff. And so, so it's been fun to see that whole progression and it's been good. You know, now that we're on the other end of it, it's fun to see how far we've really come because there were some long days in between there. So. Yeah. And we talked about Matty Olson committing to, to Montana state university. I saw on social media this past weekend, Another one of your players, Shea Shippen, has been offered by Montana State. So the Bobcats must really like what's cooking at Skyline. <laughs> right, I guess. No, we we've had a I've had a pretty good relationship with that coaching staff up there. And, you know, I mean, you know, we haven't talked about Shea yet, but Shea's another special player coming up through our program. Um, I mean, obviously you just look at what she did in her freshman season, having to fill the bulk majority of our offensive, you know, she was kind of our offensive catalyst. And so um, I think it's I think it's easy for people to see the caliber that she has and, and she does she has that little bit bigger body both height wise and build wise and so she is going to be a very good college candidate and Montana State has offered which was extremely awesome and you know we'll see how it all plays out. I will say I do not I would not want to stand in to take a charge against uh <laughs> she's, no she's also a pretty good tennis player. She made it to state as a yes. freshman in singles. So um, yeah. So here's the crazy thing. We were talking about this. She actually was a four sport athlete this year. Um she played volleyball, basketball, uh tennis, and she also ran track. She qualified for state in all four events. In all four oh sports. Yeah. Wow. Pretty pretty amazing. And of course, she's not even the only shipping on the team. There's Kaisa as well. Yes. Yep. And, and so who who are, I mean, we know about the shippings. Who are other players that you are leaning on through the offseason and as we look ahead to 2022-23? Um, so we've got we've got a couple juniors that are coming into their senior season that um have really spent some time because they were kind of your our role players, bench players last year. Um, so we've got uh Sophie Taylor and Kenzie Taylor and Aaliyah Park, who we're hoping can really step in and fill some of those senior leadership. Um, Cause I, I really think that sometimes we forget how important being a leader is and it being your last ride. And when you're a senior, you go, you know what, this is, this is my time to really step up. And so um, we're hoping to see them really do that in terms of the players that are going to come in and be like those, those high impact players. You know, we, we lost, three real key players in Teresa Ledesma, Taylor Thomas, and Sienna. Um, so, you know, we bring Shea back, we bring Kaisa back, we bring Claire Peterson back, who is just one of the fastest, quickest defenders that I've ever seen in my life. Um, and I've coached some pretty good defenders in my day. Um, we bring back a couple of sophomores coming into their junior year. Um, Amy Basic, who is a, a six footer, who's very, very sound defensively, has some, has some really strong abilities at the basket um when we can get her confidence to where she she feels like she can just cut loose and then we're bringing back another guard by the name of Alexa Hackey who is a very good defense defensive player as well as a really good distributor of the basketball so 
like we've got a lot of good pieces that are in place that are in play. Um, it, it should be a pretty fun opportunity this summer to really see where people fit. A hacky is a good distributor. You don't say Lachlan, of course, the quarterback <laughs> on the, on the football right. team. So. I think she plays tennis too, or, or, uh, or one of or a sister, maybe, maybe a sister. Yeah. I don't yeah. think she doesn't. Cause that's she's a, a spring volleyball girl. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, so I know coming in, uh, Sean, you had one big question on your mind, and it's the the comp. It's the question that's really dominated offseason basketball talk, Sean. So I'll let you go ahead and take it uh, about the shot clock. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, I have lots of questions, but no. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, just the shot clock. I I know Skyline put it in la- last year. Maybe you guys put it in. Yeah, super we had early. It. You yeah, knew we it had it coming. installed by about Christmas. Yeah, so. so they've had it in the whole time. Um, it's been a hot debate. Everyone has their own. I, I, you know, I've talked to a bunch of coaches. Everyone feels one way or another, but it looks like you guys uh, had a tournament using it this year. So how did it, how yes. did it go? What do you, what do you have to say about that? <laughs> the tournament was really fun. You know, we had eight teams from around the area come in um, a couple from Boise, a couple from twin falls and you know, the biggest reason that we wanted to do it is we wanted, I mean, it was partly for the kids, I don't think the kids are going to be the biggest issue with that. I think they adapt to those things really well. Um, I think for us coaches, it gave us an opportunity to kind of see some of the things that we're going to have to adapt to in our coaching and our styles of play because it changes it. Um, But realistically, we needed the officials to start getting some hands-on experience. And what was really nice, what we found out as I was working with the commissioner over here at District 6, um, James Bullen, is you know we just saw some of those things that are going to be small issues that until you actually get on the floor and do it, you don't realize that's going to be an issue. So like one of them was when a ball is goes through the basket clock still running. When do we, as the shot clock timer, like actually start the shot clock timer? Is it when the five second count starts, which is right after the ball is picked up by the other team? Or is it when they actually get the inbound pass completed? And so, like, those were just some of the little things that we were able to and then did find you have the like wrinkles. A, that... Like a separate person running that at the table? Yes. So we like had a, a shot clock. We had a shot clock person, a um, shot, uh, the clock operator. Um, and I, we're actually going to, um, when this implements, uh, I think summer, I think we're trying to get – our four our four a conference the high country conference to commit to running a shot clock this year um if it passes which it should but one of the things that we've talked about with the commissioner with with james is we want to be able to train our jb officials to be our shot clock operators so that there's not a lot of discrepancies with what we're getting from gym to gym to gym because like there are a lot of gray areas that could exist if you're everybody has their own individual trainings. Yeah, that's so those were some things that were good that came out of that. Yeah, talking with my AD they were saying they want to pay you know when they get done with the the freshman game to come do uh the the shot clock for the varsity game or that was kind of their plan is to keep that guy another hour and a half or whatever to uh, right. operate that. So that, that person's doing it right. You know, so someone mm-hmm. who obviously knows how to do it and, and uh, it's pretty interesting, pretty exciting. I think, I think good for right. Idaho personally, but. Oh, I do too. And like, honestly, if you ask me what the best part of that tournament was, um, 
you know, we had some blowout games. We got blown out one time. You know, like you have lots of different scenarios, but the game never stopped. You didn't have that slow down, uh, end of half, end of end of the game where you're, you know, running two minutes and the other team's just playing keep away from you. And so it did. Like even when the games were 30 points, they were still playing. Like it was still up and down. It was still fast paced. It was still I, I see a lot of good that that's going to come from it. And I think it's going to, especially in girls, I think it's going to be a great opportunity to get girls to go, oh, hey, we've got to increase our abilities a little bit to play this way. So it'll be fun. I, I was glad that we did it. And all the response that we got from the coaches was really positive. The officials really liked what we did. So I think we're in a, headed, in a, headed in a good direction. Yeah, because so many of those games, right, end it like the last three minute of games is so important, and now that dynamic totally changes. So, yes, I think that'll be great, and that'll be you know coaches are going to have to adjust to that. And but I mean, so many high school high school basketball games are kind of decided in the last three to two minutes sometimes. So it should yep. be exciting. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be good. The other big adjustment that uh, you as a coach had to make this past year was the first time ever the state decided to seed the state tournament based upon your regular season max preps ranking. And that was a, a subject of, uh, depending on which school you talk to, controversy <laughs> or, or applause. What what did you think about it one season in? Um, I loved it. I, I wish that we would have had it the year before. Um <laughs> You know, because it, it 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 made it so that you had like I felt like the when you look at the brackets at the state tournament, they were balanced. Now, obviously, there were still some issues of you know when you have an upset team that comes in and now replaces the lowest seed and it ends up pitting a Thunder Ridge and a Rigby together the first game of the 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 state tournament. You know, but those are just issues you're going to have no matter what. But I like I really like the seeding style because I felt like it put the teams that were supposed to play each other against each other instead of just to randomize this conference versus this conference. And, you know, it just happens that the best two teams meet in the semifinals compared to the state championship. So. Yeah. I think back to two years ago and it still blows my mind that a predetermined bracket set up two conference opponents uh, in boys and girls, right? Skylines girls, yep. you guys had to play Blackfoot, and the Skyline boys yep. had to play Hillcrest. I just, I still couldn't wrap my head around that. So six times in a season, yeah. six times. I mean, our our last four games that season were against Blackfoot. Before we saw it, we saw we district championship uh, semifinals, district championship, district championship, state, and so you know, like I've never experienced that before. But I'll tell you what, like opponent burnout is a real thing. So. <laughs> Yeah, it was something. Did that make you think about how you wanted to put your schedule together? You Your schedule is pretty locked in already because of the agreement you have with the 5A High Country yeah. Conference schools, right? Yes, it is. So, you know, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily um, make us think about that. Like, because we do, we have, I think, 16 of our 21 games are already booked for us. Like, we don't have a lot of say. Must um, be nice. We get ourselves a tournament. Yeah, it, it has its pros and cons, right? Um but we we end up getting a tournament and then we end up with like the last two years we played sugar and i think we've got them on our schedule again which is just a good conference opponent um but like we're at a spot where i want to play some bigger tougher teams and it actually really benefited us this year um if you look at our schedule we had the toughest schedule in the state of idaho in terms of girls um 4a through or 5a through 1a 
But the thing that really helped us is, you know, you look at the losses that we had. We lost four times to Blackfoot. We lost once to Burley. We lost twice to Rigby. We lost twice to um, Thunder Ridge. And then we lost twice to Sugar. Well, six of those 13 losses we had, 14 losses, six of those 14 losses ended up being to the number one and two teams in the state of Idaho. So, you know, it really ended up helping us in the end because we were very battle tested. We knew that we could we could compete with people. Um, it was just, you know, it just didn't always look pretty during the regular season. So, <laughs> but I liked it. I liked the schedule, the way that it was set up. Definitely. And I, I think there's probably some, some small tweaks that need to be made, but man, we are light years ahead of where we used to be. I, I agree yes. with you completely. Yes. So, yeah, yeah, I know it's been batted around a little bit and I really like this possibility that they've talked about doing, you know, like each conference gets their district champion. It gets qualified for state. And then, um, we talk about playing, taking the next, I think it's uh, like teams six through 11, and they would play like a one game play-in game to determine the the next eight or the next three teams. And, you know, so that was one option that we looked at with uh, in one of the coaches committees that I was part of. And I was like, man, that would be a really nice way because then it really gives those teams, you know, for example, like for our district, um, Bonneville and Shelley we're still two of the toughest teams in the state if you look at their actual schedules. And so, but they didn't get a chance because they just happened to be behind us and behind Blackfoot. So, you know, there was no opportunity for them to ever possibly qualify for state this year. Well, and the school that Sean teaches at Century, right? They're they're in the same boat, especially yeah. on the boys' side yep. where it was. So, yeah, I agree. The expanded playoffs would be. You know, so, so that's something that was talked about and kind of kicked around. Um, we talked about it in the IBCA, the Idaho Basketball Coaches Association. Um, I know that they were sending some information in. I don't know how much traction it's got. I just when that pr- idea was presented, I was like, I'm I'm all in. Like, I would be all for that because it does like. I do believe you should give the teams that deserve to be there a a shot to get there. And it does value your district tournament because you could still have an upset team that walks through and automatically qualifies, but then it doesn't necessarily punish the team that's that had the upset at state. They still get a chance to go compete at state. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, Very interesting. How it goes. Right. I think we got some, some possibilities in the near future that we get to look at. So yeah, it's an excellent, it's an exciting time to, to be a coach, uh, especially at Skyline, where you've built such a great program. Um, yes. Ty Keck, girls basketball coach from Skyline. Hi. Thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate Thanks. you taking some time out of your schedule. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, uh, well, keep an eye on uh, what the uh, Lady Grizz are up to this uh, next season. I think it's going to be a- another strong year overall in athletics uh, for the Skyline High girls. So, all right. Awesome. Thank you. Yep. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right, Sean, there we go. Ty Keck, head girls yeah. basketball coach from Skyline. What a great interview. Yeah, it was great. It's a, it was a very interesting story to watch unfold at girls basketball. So to kind of get the, the inside track on it, I think it was absolutely amazing. <laughs> yeah, and, and now, you know, they aren't going to be able to sneak up on anybody this year, especially no. with what Blackfoot lost in graduation. Um, you know, I think Skyline could really take this league by the horns. And so you, you'd have to think they're probably the, the preseason conference favorites at this point, right? I mean, the shippings and just uh, what they've been able to do uh, in Blackfoot. I think everyone was a senior, if I'm not mistaken, like all the starters. 
Yeah, they'll they'll have a couple of role players or key players that are back, but yeah, um, they're replacing some of the best players in the state. So, yeah, definitely. tough. They'll be fun. That'll be fun for them as well. All right. Well, uh, Sean, thanks for hopping on for this off season uh, prep cast here. St- stay tuned. We will have more of these uh, long form interviews with other notable coaches and athletes along the way as well. So, uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody, to this off season edition of the East Idaho Prep Cast for Sean Kane. I'm Brandon Bainey. We'll see you next time on IdahoSports.com.